Welcome to the Journal.ie's The Explainer, where every week we take a deep dive into a different news story. I'm Sinead O'Carroll, and this week, what is the current thinking in Ireland and abroad about wearing masks? Just before we start again this week, if you read the Journal.ie, you may have seen our appeal in the past few days for you to support our journalism. It's a difficult time for media as advertising revenues fall drastically, but we are and want to keep providing you and the rest of our 830,000 daily users with valuable, accessible journalism. If you feel it's important for the society that you want to have that open access to news and good information like this podcast, please head to thejournal.ie forward slash contribute. And if you can, we're really aware that this is a tough time for a lot of people, but if you can, it would be much appreciated. And now back to something that has led to debate in the scientific, medical and ordinary world in the last few weeks. Something that other cities see regularly during flu season is people wearing face masks in public. It has never been a characteristic of Irish life, but that is changing, or maybe has already changed. Masks in all guises, be they homemade, medical-looking, scarves or hardware shop buys, are being worn not just in medical settings, but in supermarkets and in the streets of Ireland. But because the debate has been loud um, over the last few weeks about this, it's hard to figure out the right thing to do. Today, we're going to take a look at the current thinking and look at what we do know about mask wearing right now. To do that, I'm joined by the Journal.ie reporter Dominic McGrath, who has been writing on just this topic, and Assistant Professor of Virology at Trinity College Dublin, Dr. Kim Roberts. Dominic, mask is probably a bit too much of a catch-all item or catch-all word, uh, so we're going to ask you to run down through the differences, if there are any, between the masks that doctors and nurses and other healthcare workers need and the ones that we're often seeing on the street. Yes, it's really important to stress that Mask is something of an umbrella term. They come in all shapes and sizes and have different levels of efficacy. Basically, masks aren't all created equal. And they're very complex devices. Um, you know, they require thought, even training with regards to how you put them on and take them off, especially depending on what type of mask you're using. So I guess the most simple is the surgical mask, which you're probably all, we're all familiar with. Um, they're designed to provide protection from your infectious droplets. Um, you know, typically from a patient who has an infectious disease like COVID-19. They're pretty basic and pretty simple. Um, and, you know, they can actually easily be kind of um, damaged in the sense that, you know, even facial hair can undermine the sort of effectiveness of the mask if it isn't flush against the skin. The sort of next level up is your respirator mask. Uh, they're much more sophisticated. Uh, people have probably heard terms like FFP2, FFP3, N95 bandied around regarding masks. Uh, they're simply different certifications of medical grade masks. Um, like surgical masks, they are single use, but unlike surgical masks, um, these respirator style masks can protect against both droplets, but also the virus when it's sort of airborne and it's sort of aerosol generating setting, um, to use a medical term, um, and they can block sort of tiny particles. So they're actually very, very good for and very important for healthcare workers who are treating confirmed cases of COVID-19. Um, but it's important to stress that all these masks are disposable. Um, they are single use. Uh, medical staff are not reusing them over and over again, um, even the high quality respirators. So that goes back to the idea of you know, the demand for PPE um, equipment. Now, the one that the type of mask we're going to be possibly more familiar with and maybe should be more familiar with are cloth masks. And cloth masks are the one that 
um, people are being advocated to use simply because we shouldn't be buying up sort of effective respirators and surgical uh, masks because medical staff need them. Um, but cloth masks are quite different. And again, it's sort of a subset umbrella term. Um, they can be sort of cloth masks you buy online, or they can be just homemade masks made from, you know, old t-shirts or something. And they can be reused, but they also have to be washed after every use. And even though they are much more amateurish, again, being homemade, that doesn't mean that they shouldn't be treated with the same sort of caution and professional attitude in the sense that you have to take the exact same level of precautions when putting it on and taking it off as you would with any kind of uh, medical grade mask. Well, what is the current advice about whether we should or not? So let's start from the top with the World Health Organization. What are they saying about whether ordinary people like you and I should be wearing masks? So the WHO has come under um, a lot of pressure. They recently reviewed um, its advice, but actually it's still quite similar to what it was um, at the start of the pandemic. It's pretty trenchant. It's, it says that there is currently no evidence that wearing a mask, whether medical or other types, by healthy persons in the wider community setting can prevent them from infection with uh, or from COVID-19. Um, it says that wearing a medical mask should simply be seen as one of a broad sort of sweep of measures. Uh, we know social distancing, we know washing our hands, um, and that it shouldn't be seen as a way of staving off the virus or sort of some infallible mechanism to protect yourself. So the WHO advice is quite clear. It's not saying that we should all wear them when we're going outside. But there is mixed signals from other organizations. There has been some advice that is different to that. It's actually quite varied. So, um, for instance, the ECDC takes a somewhat different approach. Um, Just remind us who the ECDC are again. The European Centre for uh, Disease Control. Uh, which we're all familiar with from their sort of compiling of figures, but it also, also obviously rides um, sort of the EU and countries with guidance on tackling COVID-19. But it notes that there's no evidence that the widespread wearing of masks could reduce transmission in the community, but it does say that wearing masks could be considered when going to the shops or on public transport. It also stresses that homemade non-medical face masks will probably be less effective. They're not, they don't really meet those required medical standards. So um, the ECDC is kind of taking a somewhat different approach, but it still comes down really on the side of the fact that we don't really know how effective masks will be in um, protecting an individual from COVID-19. And this is where the, the, the discussion gets a little more um, complex and more varied because um, people are suggesting that masks, even if they don't protect individuals, could be useful as a form of source control, preventing the spread of the virus through the community. Um, and you're seeing a lot of sort of uh, variation in different European countries. So the Czech Republic has had an order making the wearing of face masks um, in the community mandatory since uh, 19th of March. Austria and Slovakia have similar measures. In Germany, there's been a lot of discussion over this. Um, and obviously the federal structure in some places have taken steps before the federal government in asking people to wear masks going about their sort of lives. What was the thinking behind those decisions? It's quite it's quite hard to know. Um, the why is actually a lot more difficult. In some senses, it might be that idea of every little helps in trying to tackle um, the virus, to go back to the idea of source control, that if people cover up their mouths, their noses, 
then we could help prevent the spread of the virus. And this is where it gets a little bit complicated because even where um, people acknowledge that a mask is unlikely to protect you from getting coronavirus, there is suggestion that, well, look, um, even if incremental benefit prevents asymptomatic people or people who are in the early stage of the disease and don't even know they're sick, spreading the virus, that actually will be quite beneficial. Obviously, the big player in all this, as it were, is the US and its sort of um, disease con uh, control center um, is currently advising that anyone, everyone wears a cloth mask or face covering in public where it is difficult to enforce social distancing. And that includes supermarkets and pharmacies. So the advice is, is one, very, but also hard to determine why exactly it's been issued without the backing of the WHO. Now, a cynic might speculate that it is simply governments and public health officials responding to that sort of um, bottom-up pressure that you know citizens were wearing masks before um, there was any sort of um, government compulsion to do so, and governments wanted to respond and look proactive, um, and even the sense that people can feel quite powerless. You know, the message of wash your hands and stay safe is isn't much for to people to, for people to rely on. So. There is some discussion that maybe psychologically and politically people will feel safer wearing a mask because it feels like an extra level of protection. Yeah, that it's changed our psyche somewhat. Where are the countries who have changed um, their advice and say people should wear them in more public places? Where are they telling people to source the masks from? So, again, this is this is the difficult thing. They're mostly telling people to make their own, to use cloth masks, because in every country there is a struggle for um, PPE and for sort of medical grade face masks. So there is no country I can think of that is, you know, handing out your sort of high quality respirators to individuals. Uh, but there are some examples of sort of these kind of um, nationwide calls for people to make masks at home. So people are trying to put together um, as professional as they can cloth masks. And it's a real community effort. And there are even some lobby groups, um, I think in the Czech Republic, that's really sort of trying to call on countries across Europe to implement um, these sort of orders to wear um, face coverings like cloth masks. So it is um, really based on that kind of more amateurish cloth mask or some kind of face covering. You know, again, people aren't being issued really with high quality masks. What is the Irish position officially on this? So the Irish position is, is that wearing a mask is unlikely to be of any benefit if you're not sick. Um, so it takes the approach that people who are not ill, who are not symptomatic, do not really need to worry about wearing a mask. It's unlikely that they're spreading it. And again, it comes out of that side of the WHO that a mask is unlikely to really protect you. Now, it does um, set out sort of the instructions for wearing a mask, and it makes clear that you, know, you need to be very careful in how you're putting it on, how you take it off, to go back to that idea that you know, in some ways wearing a mask could be quite dangerous if you're not using it um, properly. And I think one of the really useful things for me actually was reading the um, discussions on the HSC and the HPSC um, websites, not for the individual, but actually for um, healthcare workers and medical staff. Because if you look at um, that advice, it just shows how complicated and how complex um, it is in terms of mask wearing. And it really sets out the different scenarios, different environments, when you should, shouldn't wear masks, the mask you should use. Um, so even for medical staff and healthcare workers, it's quite a complex area to sort of navigate. 
But to be clear, the Irish advice is that people do not need to wear a mask if they're not sick. Dominic, is there any evidence from other countries? Because the comparative thing is happening a lot, like South Korea, people are wearing masks there and they're doing better in inverted commas than, than we are. Is there, do we have any data or evidence of this? If people, you know, look at um, graphs of different countries and how they're coping with the um, with the pandemic, you know, you do see that these Asian countries, China, um, South Korea, have successfully in some ways, you know, flattened the curve and have made sort of strides against the um, against the virus. And a lot of people will say, oh, well, these are the countries that have always worn masks. Um, this must be the reason that they're able to tackle the virus. And, Again, it's actually quite complicated, the wearing of masks in some of these Asian countries. So wearing of masks has been quite common, you know, especially since the SARS epidemic in 2003. Um, there's a figure that I think in Hong Kong during the SARS epidemic, 76% of people were wearing a face mask, according to one study. So, you know, it really became, I guess, institutionalized um, in society, uh, for want of a better phrase. But also, you know, wearing face masks is a highly complex, but also very interesting sort of cultural thing. Um, again, you know, people who wear face masks in some of these Asian countries long before um, COVID-19, you know, they were wearing surgical masks, but again, it wasn't like they were wearing them sort of very correctly all the time. They weren't following the strict procedures. You know, you can look online from photos from before the pandemic. It's Again, it's not like people were following to the letter our uh, WHO advice. And in some ways, again, it goes back to the early years of the 20th century. It goes to sort of culture, it goes to societal attitudes. So I think it's it's quite it's quite a, a difficult thing to say that, oh, these face masks have helped stave off COVID-19. And it's something that actually the, uh, the ECDC uh, looked at, and it made a very salient point that, look, maybe, maybe there's some evidence out there that face masks have made a difference, but there's simply too many variables. We don't know the impact that wearing face masks have had simply because obviously all these countries are very different um, in many, many ways. So we simply can't trace um, face masks good um, in tackling coronavirus and use that as a as a way to extrapolate and say every country should should be wearing them. Thanks for that, Dominic. And to stick with the same kind of questions, uh, Dr. Roberts, thanks so much for joining us uh, on The Explainer. I know it's really busy for you. Um, but what, on that, what Dominic was saying, can you just run us through what the difference between those masks that the healthcare workers um, have to be provided with and there is a shortage of and those that we are seeing on the streets, the, the, the ones that people can pick up um, in pharmacies or or anywhere else? So the masks that healthcare workers need are certified to be effective at um, preventing transmission of microbes such as viruses. And there are different types, which has been explained earlier on. Those have been tested to provide the level of protection that healthcare workers need. Um, and we have a global shortage of those kind of masks. And so it's really important that healthcare providers have access to those masks. Other types of masks that um, you might have seen around, there are homemade masks. There are masks that can be um, available in, in pharmacies. So it is possible to get hold of masks, but I think it's still not clear that masks are an essential way of preventing the transmission of the virus. So I wouldn't recommend that people rush out and, and get masks at this point. Yeah, because do they prevent you from catching an infection? So if you're wearing a, a disposable mask, 
like a surgical mask that isn't sealed around your face, then that mask is unlikely to prevent you from being infected. Um, so the only masks that will really prevent somebody from inhaling the virus um, from big droplets would be the face masks, the respirators that are fit tested to the face and create a seal. Um, so the problem with, with wearing masks is it can give us a false sense of security. It can make us feel more protected than we actually are. Masks are pretty uncomfortable to wear. So instead of preventing us from touching our faces, masks can actually increase the chance that we touch our faces. And of course, the other main route of transmission of this virus is from contaminated hands coming up to your face, to your mouth, to your nose, to your eyes. So if your mask is uncomfortable, if it's steaming up your glasses, um, if you're taking off your mask because you want to eat something, then all of those times when you're touching your mask, you're touching your face, you're increasing or you're potentially increasing the chances of infecting yourself. What are the benefits that there are kind of a lot of the lists of the, the things that can go wrong if you wear a mask? What are the potential benefits of wearing one? What we think is that one of the main benefits might be if somebody is infected with the virus, possibly early on when they have very mild symptoms or they, they don't have symptoms at all, then the mask can capture those big respiratory droplets that are the main spreaders of the virus. And so if you are infected, a mask can help prevent um, the onwards transmission of the virus to somebody else. I think this is where people get confused, certainly where I get confused in, in thinking of like, is there any harm in someone wearing a mask then out and about? Because if they are infected, they are reducing the reality of infecting somebody else. Um, and they would have been in the same risk category with or without the mask of, of catching the infection. Exactly. So, you know, if you are, if you think you've been infected with the virus or if you have symptoms with the virus, then you want to be staying home. You don't want to be going out. And so kind of isolating yourself that way is a great way of protecting um, other people around you. So in that instance, unless you've been asked to wear a mask by a healthcare professional, wearing masks um, isn't really going to be um, of that much help. Yeah, Kim, one of the confusing things from my point of view is that we are getting mixed signals. So the ECDC are saying one thing, the WHO are saying another, and then we are seeing countries mandating the use of masks. I think there's a lot of factors that can play into um, the strengths and the limitations of wearing masks. Um, there is evidence that suggests that in general, if people are wearing masks in the population when they're, when they're going out and about, there is a modest reduction in the transmission of, of the virus. But that modest reduction in the transmission is only when wearing face masks is in conjunction with um, the two metre rule and with washing our hands. So it has to be an extra measure on top of. There's also the question about whether or not the virus can be transmitted via these very, very small droplets that are called aerosol particles. So respiratory droplets, which is the main route of transmission, we think, they're these large droplets that form as we breathe out or as we talk and, and, and cough and sneeze, of course. And those are large droplets that fall to the ground about a metre from the person who's expelling them. The small, the tiny aerosol droplets, they hang in the air for much longer and they can move about a room um, much greater distances. And so people worry that if the virus is transmitting via these aerosols, then the interventions we're using at the moment might not be enough. And those people tend to think that wearing a mask will help protect you from those small aerosols. The data is still very much up in the air. 
Um, it can be argued from both sides. I think a lot of the mixed messages from different countries is based on how many masks are available in the country and the supply of those masks, because you've got to remember that most of these masks are, well, these masks are single use, they are disposable. So if everyone starts using these masks and, and throwing them away after every time they go visit the shops, we're going to be getting through a huge number of those masks. So there's a practical reason as well, but also the evidence at the moment just doesn't, just isn't clear enough to say that there would be enough of a benefit for, for most people to be wearing masks. And to follow up on that, um, because of that, I think that the practicalities around using that many masks, a lot of people have taken to making their own. And I know some countries have kind of given lessons on how to make your own. Um, is is that as is that going to be as effective as, say, one of these disposable masks that you can pick up in a pharmacy? So there are lots of patterns online um, and certain countries are recommending that, that people make their own masks. One of the things to, to think about really carefully is how you're going to, if you're going to use any kind of mask, it's about how you're going to use that mask safely. So if you're wearing a mask, you have to assume after you've been wearing it that there could be some virus on that mask. So you need to think about how you can safely take off that mask. And if it's a reusable mask, how to wash that mask well. So if you're wearing a mask and you come back into your house, you want to wash your hands first, and then you want to remove the mask. If it's a disposable mask, Take off the mask without touching the main face part if possible, put it straight in the bin and then wash your hands. If it's a fabric mask that you can reuse, then again, when you get back into the house, you want to wash your hands because there might be virus on your hands. You want to take off that mask, preferably without touching the main face part, and then put the mask into some sort of um, a wet bag, a bag that can go into the washing machine so that it, it's... There's, there's no spread of the virus. Then you want to wash your hands again and then put that mask straight into the washing machine and wash at 60. And you'd want to wash it, you can wash it with other things, but you want to wash it in not a full load so that you know that there's going to be good circulation and, and washing of what's in your washing machine. Is there any particular materials that are good for these kinds of masks? We don't have the data for SARS coronavirus yet, but we do have the data for homemade masks and influenza. And... But, you know, they used all sorts of, um, of different types of masks and they can filter out some of the, of the virus particles, but you're talking about sort of 50 or 60 percent. Um, and that's different types of um, cotton, for example. Um, so whether or not it's a cotton T-shirt or, um, or linen or different things. Oddly enough, in, in, the, in the data, the materials that had the, the most impact was actually material from a, a vacuum cleaner bag um, and making a mask on that. But I don't think that's being recommended in a lot of these online tutorials. So I think what people need to think about when they're making these masks is, um, is that it might reduce transmission of the virus to some extent, but it's not 100%. Um, it's probably more like 60%. And again, it's so important if you want the, the mask to prevent transmission, it's so important that once it's on your face, you don't touch it. And when you get back to the house, you remove it safely and wash it straight away. Even if it's only 50 or 60 percent, it's not a, a it's a, not anywhere close to 100 percent. Do you think it is something that people in Ireland will have to get comfortable with the idea of that we will, you know, all end up wearing these masks at some point in the in the coming months? 
there is a lot of debate between different countries to the benefits of masks. The data isn't clear. It can be argued on, on both sides. I think if the HSE do decide to encourage it, then of course, then we should adopt the recommendations. Um, but I'm skeptical as to their usefulness overall. Just in general, from your point of view, the different things that have come into play, social distancing, our you know, ability or our newfound ability seemingly to wash our hands properly. Is there anything else that this pandemic will kind of change more permanently about our habits? I do wonder whether or not there'll be a, a lasting memory about the different things that we can do to prevent transmission of infectious diseases and whether or not we'll see drops in the number of people who um, have flu, for example, or um, or other type of, of microbial infections um, in the years to come. And as the pandemic continues, as more data is generated, as we understand both this virus and other viruses, hopefully we can learn more, we can develop best practice for public health interventions. And if the data comes out that wearing masks um, can make a, a big impact in reducing transmission, then absolutely, um, hopefully it's something that we'd be able to carry on. But I think it's going to be really interesting over the next few months to see how the the data that's being generated, what, what that can tell us. Thanks for that, Kim. We will definitely be keeping a close eye on whether that advice changes. Uh, thanks, Dominic, for all your work on this. And thank you, Dr. Roberts, again for joining us. Thank you for listening to The Explainer and a big thank you to Dominic and Kim for their time and work on this episode. If you enjoyed the chat and learned something, we have loads more for you. Check out our back catalogue where you'll find other shows on the coronavirus and much, much more. This episode of The Explainer was brought to you by executive producer Christine Bogan, producer Aoife Barry and assistant producer and tech operator Nikki Ryan. If you're enjoying these episodes, please, please, please leave us a review and rating wherever you listen to your podcasts. And more importantly, share with a friend who you think will enjoy them. Thank you and catch you next time.